Chapter 2. The Truth The underground taproom was sweltering and bloated with people. There were two ways in and out of the cardinal brick room, one of which only a handful knew about. Sometimes, Oral could not believe all these people were present just to hear him teach. He itched his sideburns and looked about. The barman gave him a curt nod and finished drying the glass. Young Krebs was older, but not so much that he and Oral could not bond over the things of their youths. Oral gave him a wink, a signal he was just about ready to speak. Krebs took a glass and pulled out a tankard that they both knew brimmed with water, rather than alcohol. Dropping a few dribbles of vodka into the mug, Krebs pushed through the crowd and handed it to him. Those nearby fell to a hush, which trickled across the room, until all watched Oral expectantly. Ever the showman, Oral downed the drink in one swig and slammed the glass upside down onto a barrel with a fine salute. Breathing into the nearest shieldling's face, Oral watched as smiles erupted from ears to ears. That lads is most good. Twelve vodkas in one hour. If he isn't a man of our forefathers, I don't know who is exclaimed the tawny man. Enthusiastic cheers and thunderous applause erupted throughout the chamber. Had they not been meeting in the ancient sewer complexes, aptly referred to as the Undercity, Oral might have been worried someone would hear. Although childish, he imagined some poor chap using the loo just now and wondering if the applause he heard was real, just as he pinched off the day's finest. When do we learn to fight? An enthusiastic youth yelled from the crowd. Oral tried to pinpoint the source, but between the wavering lamplight and throng of dirty bodies, it was impossible. What he could see were men and women of Hasbian and Iridan ancestry standing side by side. Once, hundreds of years ago, such an assemblage would have been unheard of, let alone permitted. If there was any good in the Prime's directive, then the unification of men against the masked tyrant was the only thing to commend. Go on, when do we learn to fight? If you are here to learn swordplay in the art of Kiatsu, then you are in the wrong chapter. But if you are here to learn how to free yourself of the Lord Prime's shackles, then you are in the right place, Oral said, quieting the crowd. Here... I will show you how to fight the hardest battle of all. You can kill men. You can extort and kidnap. But without knowledge, you will always belong to the Prime. I am here to teach you freedom. The crowd was so quiet, the drop of a pin could have made a ruckus. Even Krebs had ceased his cleaning to watch. Tell me. Does anybody know why the Ministry of Words is? There was a shuffle as the shieldlings looked at one another, none too eager to answer and potentially look a fool. Anyone, give it a try, Oral encouraged. To, um, gift us speech and teach more good words than less good, hazarded a youth. Wrong, Oral said. To control us. Words inform thought. If you cannot imagine certain concepts, it's hard to plan, to imagine. We start with these two words, 
commit them to memory. Exist. The ministry exists and can therefore be destroyed. Tonight, you will also learn about the greatest driving force known to mankind, love. Break into groups of five, and I will come around to each and teach you about these concepts. One drink on the sewers for each of you, Oral added with a wink. Once the men broke into groups, Oral began making the rounds. He refused to leave a cluster until he was certain they had a cursory understanding of what he had taught them. Where some men flourished swords, he raised the pen. Everyone fought the battle in their own ways, and everyone was the hero of their own story. If Oral could help these shieldlings believe that last little bit, then there were not enough black coats in all the city to stop them. After tedious hours, Oral looked up, parched from his work. He still had over half the groups to teach, but they could wait until he had a quick drink. Sighing happily, he returned to the bar. A man after our ancestor's heart, snickered young Krebs. Water or vodka? You going to daub on me? Oral smiled, accepting the glass. Well, there is quite a reward for the professor these days. I heard any information was worth a healthy gift of flour. That will be a hard promise for the hands to deliver, Oral mused, especially considering the number of silkworms we dumped into the city's granary. If I weren't on your side, Oral, I'd punch you in that smug face of yours. My niece already makes quite the fuss over bread. Now I'll have to listen to her whining all wintertide, Krebs grumbled. Oral swished the warm water in his mouth, tasting a bashing of copper. It could be worse. Oral said, enjoying the thrum of a learning crowd. You love this, don't you? Love it? I could do this all day, my friend. But, Krebs said, Sorsha won't let you, will she? Oral laughed softly and tapped his friend on the forearm. <laughs> of course not, but that is for the better, I think. I am a man predisposed to overworking. She keeps me off the edge. Make sure that I spend enough time with Ava. And how is that girl of yours? She's marrying soon, no? Oral's eyes hardened, and he set his glass down heavily, sliding it across the wood top back to Krebs. She is. Krebs picked up on the shift in his friend's mood and stopped nagging the mugs with his handkerchief. We all have to let go sometime, my friend. There's nothing we can do about it whether it is by the prime's rule or her own choice. Like in the old days, we all have to let go. I know, Oral said, staring at his boots. I just wish someone had told me it would be so difficult. Take it from me, Krebs said. It's painful, but it gets better over time, I promise. I hope you're right. A toast, Dirk Oral, Krebs said, pouring two glasses from a hazy decanter. You're actually letting me have a drink? Oral asked, raising his eyebrow. Just this once. To daughters, letting go and overthrowing the prime. Cheers! Taking a long swig, liquid fire ran down his throat, leaving behind a searing burn. The drink warmed him right through, like a spark before the bellows of a wildfire. Now, if I'm not mistaken... 
Tonight is Ava's first real mission for the Shields. Are you nervous? Nonsense, Oral said with a wave of his hand. Is it because you sent that ascendant with her? Well, I'd be a liar if I said I was not taking precautions. She is my baby still, and if something were to happen to her, I would probably need the entire resistance to save me from Sorsha. Young Krebs nodded with a dimpled smile. Yes, and that is how it should be. Tell me, how did you convince Mrs. Dirk to let Ava go? Ah, well... Dirk Oral, please tell me she knows. I'd be a liar if I did. Crab snatched Oral's collar into his paws and nearly pulled him halfway across the bar. The men nearest to them jumped away in surprise, and guards disguised within the crowd began to surface, their hands reaching for hidden pistols. A neatly bearded man dressed in a steelworker's uniform and a blue beret stepped forward and calmly pulled the hammer on his pistol back. Is there a problem, barman? The man asked. Is there a problem? <laughs> Would you like to tell him? Krebs said, dropping Oral. Damn it, man, Oral said. This isn't your chapter. You do that and you might end up shot. Better shot than having you come back to me in a casket, Krebs countered. No, there is not a problem, Cirrus, but thank you. Yet, Krebs sniffed indignantly. There won't be a problem. Like I said, I sent an ascendant with her. Thank you, Cirrus. Please return to your post. Sir, Cirrus saluted, before drifting back into the crowd. Oral glared back at young Krebs, wrapping his knuckles across the wood. Look, young Krebs, she was going to find a way to get involved, with or without me. It's in her blood to do so. That's why I made her promise to serve secretly under a chapter that I chose for her. It's a simple mission. It's about time we got someone high up in the Blackcoats who is sympathetic to our cause. That man just now, Cirrus, Hans Cirrus as I like to call him, seeing as he is without familial heritage. Well, he has worked his way up into their ranks and is on a list of possible candidates for promotion to liege guard. Ava is just going to be making a simple dead drop and airing a, shall we say, distasteful light on Cirrus's competition. And if Sorsha finds out? Then I'll deal with it, Oral grinned. Blast you and that beautiful smile of yours, Krebs sighed. Go on, the lads are waiting on you. Yes, sir, Oral saluted. A nice use of beautiful. Excuse me now, duty calls. Cracking his neck, Oral found the next group he was to work with, a burly mix of fishermen and factory workers. Gentlemen, where was I? Ava slipped under the sewer grate, down the ladder, and into the darkness. A line of thread had been hung to the wall as a guide, leading her past many junctions and out of the newer sewage systems, descending down into corridors older than the city above. Rats scurried about, their tiny feet scratching against the dank, dark stone and Ava could not help but shiver. She was pretty sure it was just a story. But every once in a while, rumors swirled in dark corners of rats bigger than hounds, ascending from these lost tunnels. Ava was not sure at points if these were even sewers or forgotten killing shelters. 
touching her belt, Ava felt the smooth handle of the pistol Oral had lifted for her, and her dagger on the other side. Up ahead, the oil lanterns lit a stone door, plated with worn metal. A rusting slit in the door opened at her knock, and two beady eyes stared back at her. Wintertide's wind is cold, grated a voice from beyond the door. But what about the snow? Ava asked. The slit slammed shut and thrummed with the sound of half a dozen locks unfastening. At last, the door opened, and a shifty fellow peered at her from within. Correct, he said, ushering Ava in before slamming the door with a bird-like twitch. The room within was simple and unfurnished, and two others sat atop a forgotten crate, quietly chatting amongst themselves. Ava did not recognize the first person, and the hood they wore did not help but she did the second. Ava knew Gith Franz just by the way he walked. The Almighty knew she dreamed of that confident walk, swaggering up to take her far, far away. Rising, Franz set a leather briefcase aside and strode merrily toward Ava. Dirk Ava, Franz beamed. Not going to try and stab me, I see. I would, but we kind of need you tonight. Maybe tomorrow, Ava said, punching him in the arm. You can call me Ava, you know. Propriety, Franz winked. Besides, what would your father say? He doesn't have to know everything, Ava remarked. True, but... Almighty above, the hooded man groaned. Can you two love flies find another time? We have a job to do. Right, Ava said eagerly, as Franz flushed lightly. So what's the plan? Standing... The man motioned for them to join him around the crate as he clicked it open. Within lay a stack of papers labeled with names Ava did not recognize. Pulling them out, the man produced a small brass key and handed it to Franz. These are for a dead drop, girl. Above us is the Westerly Black Coats headquarters. It should be relatively empty right now. We are going to break into teams of two. One team will establish a lookout and the others will make the drop. That key, he said, motioning at Franz, is for the grandfather clock in the clerical quarters. Open up the face and drop off the papers within, and then we slip back out. Do we know who was picking these up? Ava asked. Franz shrugged. No, likely one of the assistants. It is not our job to know, snapped the hooded man. How are we deciding the teams then? Ava asked, her stomach flipping with a quiet excitement. You ever killed? The man asked. No, but I am a good shot. Good shots doesn't mean squat when your heart is ready to fly out your throat. We'll be on guard detail, the man said, motioning to himself in shifty eyes. Franz handed Ava the papers. Shall we then? Better while the dead sleep, shifty eyes said. Nodding, Franz pulled out a long coil of silk and unraveled it across the floor. Shuffling nearer, Ava could now see the silks were knotted together to create a cloth ladder. The ends had metal hooks threaded into it, but otherwise the tool appeared to be nothing special. I can only touch for a moment, but if we work together, we should be able to get this hooked over the edge. He pointed up, and Ava squinted, spotting a jagged opening in the ceiling above. That will take us into the building's cellars, 
and away we go. Ava and the hooded man positioned themselves by the hooked edges and waited for Franz's signal. Now! At his touch, the silk turned to metal and the metal to cloth. Together, Ava and the man tossed the ladder up just as it began to revert. The cloth end shifted back to metal, dragging across its perch with a whine as it dug firmly into place. Franz tugged at the ladder, testing that it would indeed hold. Finally pleased, he brushed the curls from his face and held a hand out. Who'd like to go first? Dirk Oral was just about finished with the last group when Cirrus rushed toward him, a worried expression stricken across his face. Not many people remained in the speakeasy, which made it easy for Oral to see his bodyguards approach. Extracting himself from a ring of students, Oral went to meet with the man. Oral knew better than to ignore that expression. What is it? Sir, I do not know how, but our messengers say there's an entire detachment of blackcoats headed this way. We have to evacuate you out the bolt tunnel. Oral bit his lip and looked at the fifteen-odd men who were still mingling about. What about them? Oral whispered. Can they come that way too? He already knew the answer. Cyrus shook his head emphatically. That might give you away, sir. But these shieldlings are not fighters, Oral said. They came to learn what we're about and educate themselves. Sir, Cyrus said, touching Oral's shoulder. Many people want to learn, but we don't have many who can teach. The greater good, Oral said with a bitter quiver at the notion of leaving all his compeers behind. The greater good. Gather young Krebs, then. Minutes later, the three slipped discreetly behind a false wall paneling and into the tunnels beyond. It happens in war, Dirk Oral, Krebs comforted with a pat on the shoulder. If that means sacrificing lives for the greater good, then no man should want war, Oral said, wincing at the distant whispers of gunfire. Echoes of the slaughter chased them through the tunneled labyrinth, until at last they found their exit. An old ladder, rusting at its pins and shaking with the skittering of rodents. It stood ominously, as if to say, I have been waiting for you below a grating that felt like a mountain's distance away. Streams of streetlights filtered through fine holes at the top and marked the ground with pinpricks of light. I will go first, Cyrus said, before clambering quickly up the ladder. Pushing on the grating, he strained to move the weighty thing, but quickly abandoned the task, a wave of curses fresh off his breath. Climbing carefully back down, he pointed up above and whispered what he had seen. How many black coats did you see? Oral asked. Just two. Think there's another exit we could use? Krebs asked. Of course there is, Cyrus said. The problem is, I don't know this quadrant well enough, and the tunnels are likely crawling with black coats right now. Directive, sir? Oral frowned, looking at his bodyguard and friend. Do you think you can take them? Just two, Cyrus asked, the first hints of a smile lifting his whiskers. Absolutely. We will ambush them, Oral said, pulling the pistol from his side and affixing it to his kiat, a knifing bayonet. I'll second you, 
Give that to me, Professor. I've seen you shoot. You're more likely to poke your eye out than hit one of them, Krebs snorted, snatching the gun from Oral. But, but nothing, Krebs said. You have a more difficult battle than what lies up there. Leave it to us. Grudgingly, Oral slowly nodded and allowed them past to climb up the ladder first. At the top, Cirrus carefully heaved the grate up onto the cobblestone. The voices of bored blackcoats droned softly above. They were commiserating about being placed on guard duty, while the others hogged the double most good for themselves. Pushing a finger to his lips, Cirrus hoisted himself up, followed by Krebs, knife in hand, and a short commotion broke out. By the time Oral reached the top, Krebs was already prying his key at free of a black coat's eye. Quick now, push the bodies into the hole. Reaching for one of the black coats, they all froze as the sound of a cheery whistle approached. Another black coat was rounding the corner. He was fresh, newly recruited, the baby fat still waggling along his cheeks. The boy's eyes widened into saucers. Oh no, oh no, shields, shields, this way. Dropping his lantern, he dashed off the way he had come, squealing all the while. Almighty, Krebs breathed, clicking the gun and giving chase. I got him, one shot. Huffing, Krebs gave chase. Skirting the corner, he slid to a halt, shock splaying across his features. Over here, Commander, two officers killed by the terrorists. Run, Krebs waved. There's a whole damned squad with him. Cirrus was already pushing Oral down the other side of the alley, just as six men turned onto the street. Bullets ricocheted off the walls like angry hornets. Dust sprayed into Oral's face, biting at him like sparks of lightning as they fled. Behind them, a man screamed as Krebs fired and whooped with glee. Take that, you filthy black coats! Krebs bellowed. On, this way! Cirrus yelled ducking as a bearing whizzed past his ear. They turned another corner and met a faded brick wall. Its height was formidable, too tall to scale quickly, and yet short enough to attempt it still. Cirrus threw his jacket off and knelt below the wall. I'll give you a boost, sir. What about you two? I'm next, compere, Krebs yelled, firing once more. A pained yell. A hit. Go on! I'm covering, but I can only reload so damned fast. Oral nodded. He would trust them. That was the only choice. And me after, Cirrus confirmed. Now jump. Oral took up a sprint, cutting through smoke and mist and leaped. Cirrus grunted at the sudden weight, and for a moment, Oral thought he would not make it. But the man was able to just give him the push he needed. Reaching the top, he crested the unfinished brick layer, showering both sides in loose clay and dust. Tumbling into a pile of trash on the other side, Oral pushed his way out of the muck just as a woman screamed. The assumed owner of the garbage in question carried a crate of fresh refuse in her hands, which of course she dropped in her hysteria. Apologies, madam, Oral said, dashing past the woman. The sounds of gunfire and men fighting clamoring behind him but Oral did not bother to look back. He knew the others would not be following. I made my choice for the greater good, he thought, biting back tears. 
thinking of the cause, Dirk, Sorsha, and Ava to drive him away, away from returning and helping his friends. Officers, he's headed to Strauss, foreign south, the woman screamed. Oral kept running as ringing echoed down the streets after him. The blackcoats were using handbells to signal one another. Unfortunately, the shields had not managed to crack the code yet. The game cannot be up, he thought with a growl. Running as fast as his legs could carry him, he broke out of the alley and into the street. At one end, blackcoats rounded the corner, and the other was too far for consideration. But another alley lay across the street. Think, Oral. They would expect that. Where else can you? Oral frantically scanned the area. Nearby was a small cubby, a storm drain, which sat behind a black coach and a man dressed in an array of satins. He was currently engrossed in a book, his gaze affixed to the pages. Almighty, a minister of words, just wonderful. Oral glanced back and made up his mind, sprinting for the alley instead. The minister was so engrossed in his book he barely saw Oral. Glancing up, he awkwardly attempted to flee, but in the process stepped right into Oral, sending them both sprawling to the ground. Hey! the man cried, his spectacles shattering across the rough stone. My glasses! I saw him head for the alley, a voice called. Most good, it's a dead end, another said. Idiot of a man, Oral cursed crawling from the storm drain. The black coats were nearly upon him. We will get the shield most sure. Nearby, the minister stooped, scrambling for his glasses. He looked like he was about to have a heart attack. Grabbing his book, he held it in front of himself. Hasbel, Six Kings. A shield, he gasped. Don't hurt me, sir. Quickly closing the gap, the officers' voices grew louder. I heard it's the professor. Think about how many double-plus gifts that'd be, one of the black coats said greedily. The professor, the minister whispered. The one they say speaks of poison under the mask of truth. Oral sensed both fear and awe in the man's voice, and he did what he knew best. He seized the moment. I am the one they call professor. If you have heard anything about me, then you know that I know things others have forgotten. You work for the Ministry of Words. You call yourself a servant of the truth. But I know the language of the Almighty, and I can teach it to you. Oral pulled a red rubied ring off his finger and rolled it to the man. Take that. It will show you how to find the truth. You just have to follow the path. Give me away, and it dies. Looking slyly at the tome, Still held in the minister's trembling hands, Oral added, Seven kings wrote that treatise, but she was not a man, and was thus erased from the annals of history. Dirk Oral knew he had sung the right note when the minister's eyebrows rose and his lips huffed in defiance. That is false. A woman would never be permitted to become king. I did not say she was, but it does not mean she did not take the mantle. Trust me, there is so much I can share with you. We are not different, you and I. We are both seekers. Come, take it. Do not let the truth die. The minister hesitated, unsure of what to do. 
follow his duty or his passion. Trembling, he reached toward the ring, grasping it as if pulling from a nest of vipers. It is plain. How will I know what to do? The song of the wise, Oral wished to say, but the black coats were nearly upon them. Oral would be resigned to a prayer that the minister would be curious and of mind to figure it out on his own. This way! I see someone! Scrambling, the minister stood, hiding it in his pockets, just as the black coats arrived. Captain, he attacked a minister, one said, helping the man recover his spectacles. Here's your glasses. Compare. do you know where the man who did this went? It is double plus most important. It is said we chased the professor. Oral held his breath. From his cubby, he could only just see the black coat's boots. Come on, Oral thought, gritting his teeth. You know you want more. You know you want the truth. Speak up. I know you're shocked, but this man is one of the most dangerous in all of Hasball. He, the minister stuttered. He went that way. Show us, the black coats insisted, pulling the minister away their footsteps dwindling like smoke from a room. It was only once they were gone that Oral dared let out a sigh of relief. A grim smile played out across his face as the aurora peeked through the northern clouds once more. A minister, almighty up high. If I can sway him, then perhaps we have a chance yet. Once he was sure of his safety, Oral slipped from the storm drain and cautiously made his way home.